Thank you, Mrs. Williams. Appreciate that. Matthew chapter 2 is where we're at this morning. Christ is born for you. What is this all about? It's about Jesus Christ was born, that God became flesh. God incarnate became flesh so that you and I could receive forgiveness of sin. The purpose for Him being born is so that He would die that sacrifice on the cross. That's difficult. You think of Mary. I just talked about this a little bit last week, I believe, and even on Wednesday night. Mary looking at her her child that she knew was the Savior because Gabriel the angel had told her. She knew the Old Testament Scriptures. She knew what was coming. Joseph looking there as a man wanting to protect his home, but yet he knew it was God and he knew what his, his, his child that was given to him it wasn't his line, it wasn't his bloodline, it was, it was God Almighty. He was holy, without sin. Why was that? Why was he virgin born? So that it was evident that it was God. And it was evident that it was not the bloodline of, of Joseph. So that a holy, perfect Savior could pay the sin debt for all the world. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. If you're not saved this morning, if you're not a child of God, perhaps you don't know about heaven and hell and all that and about the gift of salvation. That's what Christmas is all about, a gift. It's about the gift of salvation. We, we oftentimes, we're, we're Christmas, we've got gifts under the tree. It's about that one gift that Jesus Christ gave many, many years ago. That if you would receive the gift... We can reject the gift. You understand that? We can reject the gift. But if you reject the gift, the Bible says we are condemned already. John chapter 3 says we're condemned already. We're on a path. The Bible says a sinner, the the wages of sin is death and hell. It's death. It's eternal death, that eternal separation. But if you receive the, the precious gift of salvation that Jesus has for you, you can be saved. Whew. Once and for all, child of God. And you can celebrate on Christmas as a child of God. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to save my soul. Amen? Amen. Now we're going to Matthew 2. We're going to talk about these wise men for, for a moment. Matthew chapter 2. These, these men that came from the east. Look at what the Bible says in verse 1. Brother Shank already read some of it this morning. He says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now somebody help me now. Where did they come from? The east. And the Bible says they had seen his star. Now, I got to thinking about that, and I, I, the Bible is a real book. It's not, it's not a story. It's not a fantasy. It's not pop-up pictures. It's not a fairy tale that we tell our kids. It's real. Okay? And it's been proven. His, his prophecies of old, God always fulfills his promises. I'm looking forward to that great promise that he's given us to the church that he's coming again for us. I mean, wouldn't it be something if he came back today on Christmas morning? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, oh, we can't believe what you're saying. I got Christmas dinner. <laughs> we can go to heaven and have Christmas dinner there. Woo! Come on. 
Man, marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo! What do you think he's cooking? Right? All right, where's, uh, where's Roseman at? Yeah, he's got some deer baloney up there probably. All right. He's probably got it for you. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. But I got to thinking about, uh, got to think about this star that the wise men saw. Now, is God able to do a miracle and make a bright light just shine in the, in, the, in the sky? Sure he is. God is able to do that. But I see evidence in Scripture that a lot of times he uses creation that he's already created. Okay? I, I know that uh, he, he makes this thing happen or that thing happen or this thing. And he's, he, God's given us a wonderful creation. That as we look up in the sky, the Bible says the heavens declare his handiwork. Amen? And I think about this star, and I was doing some research, trying to understand it a little bit. And uh, as I was researching it, I, I always love looking at the stars and thinking about the heavens that God has created. When I look at the universe above and all the things that he has laid out, I think, how big is my God? To think that here we are on this, this earth, and it's little in comparison to so many things out in the universe. Think about the size of our sun. And how, how little our earth is compared to that. And then we think about all these different planets. And all. I serve a big God. I serve a real big God. And I used to like as a kid, I, I didn't really have a telescope, but I had binoculars. And I'd lay on a little playhouse thing that we had. And I'd look up at the moon and different things and look at the stars. I enjoyed that. And so I was doing some research about this, trying to understand this Christmas star or this, this star that the, the wise men saw. And uh, I didn't realize that, uh, that when, when two celestial bodies come together, it's called a conjunction. What meaning is, when in our viewpoint, in the, as we're looking from earth and we're looking out there, celestial bodies are not close, we understand that. But sometimes it looks like they get close, because our viewpoint, right? And, and it looks like they're lining up or they're getting close, and it's called a conjunction, and I found out by just doing some reading about it that uh, there is something called the Great Conjunction. And uh, you, many of you know from, from obviously from your years of school and teaching and some of our teachers in here might be teaching it right now. But uh, um, in, in this time period of the, of the school year. But there's the Great Conjunction and we have planets in our solar system. And we have two big planets, one of Jupiter and the other one of Saturn. And I found out that when Jupiter and Saturn get close in the sky together, it's called the Great Conjunction because they're so big of planets and they're so close to the Earth that they make they they, they shine bright. Has anybody ever looked at the planets? You've seen it through the year. Maybe uh, so a lot of times Venus in late summer, you can see Venus up in the sky. Uh, sometimes you can see Jupiter and Saturn and different ones. But about every twenty years, Jupiter and Saturn get within range of one another. It's called a conjunction, okay? And they get within range about every 20 years. Now, what I found out was they don't get so close as to touch because they have big orbits around the sun and our earth orbit and all that when they line up for us. They don't get so close as that they would be able to touch but every about 800 years. And the reason we know that is because there was a man by the name of Johannes Kepler, I wrote it down, if Johannes Kepler 
in the 1600s. He was an astronomer and he's looking at the, the stars and he's studying them. He's actually the man that, that realized about the orbits and all that. And he studied them and saw that there was a consistency to the orbits and that they were always the same. And God is all about uh, uh, decently and in order, is he not? He's not about confusion. The, 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 the planets and the stars and all that, they're not up there just dancing around doing whatever they want. They're in orbits and they're consistent. And God made it that way. And uh, what I found out was is that in the year 1603, he saw Jupiter and Saturn come together, meaning they were coming close. They were coming within range. And because of their big orbit, and, and Earth's orbit is a lot smaller than that, the next year he saw them again within range, and then Mars was there as well, and there was three planets. And as they were all three there, that Jupiter and Saturn came together, and they made a brilliant, bright-looking star in the sky. Because they were already bright, the sun's reflection off of them. But when they came together, they made something magnificent that he wrote down and he recorded it. And uh, that was in the year 1604. And by studying, the, uh, studying all of that, he's determined, and, and astronomers have determined, that this happens roughly about every 800 years. Now, is, am I saying that's what the wise men saw? I'm not saying that. I don't know that. I can't dogmatically say that. But I am saying that they believe that about every 800 years, based off the circular uh, rotation of all these things and the orbits and all of that, that they can come down with mathematical precision and they know what's going to take place years from now because of the orbits and because of mathematical things there when you do all that science there or all that math. And they believe, astronomers believe, this happens about every 800 years and about a year before Christ was born that this took place. Now, I'm not telling you that's exactly what they saw because God has the ability to make some shining light right in the clouds. But, I'm, but I, I wonder, did he use that? Because they would have been studying the stars and watching things. But let, let me ask you this. How did they know what to be watching for? How did the, how did the wise men know that Christ was going to be born approximately around that time? See, on Wednesday night, we were studying, we had communion time, and we were looking at um, uh, some prophecies of the Old Testament, specifically Daniel's timeline. And we found out that in the book of Daniel, Daniel's timeline, that the, those that were studying that knew approximately when Christ would be born. They knew the, the, the amount of years from the rebuilding of, the, of Jerusalem and the temple and the wall and all that until Christ would come. And so there were several people in the New Testament. Simeon, the, old, the, uh, the older man, the older gentleman in the temple, when Jesus went to be circumcised, he was in there and he said, God told me I would see the Savior before I died. And they knew that he was coming. And so these wise men studying the, uh, the timeline of Daniel, maybe some of the old, older, uh, other older pro- uh, prophets of the Old Testament, and they saw the star and they said, I believe this is what God's doing. Now, notice in your scripture what it says here in verse number two. It says, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, Brother Shank was all about questions today. I'm going to keep asking questions, Brother Shank. Thanks for showing me the way here, okay? All right. Somebody help me. Where did the wise men go first? Jerusalem. Somebody help me here. Why didn't they go to Bethlehem? 
Why'd they go to Jerusalem? Because they weren't following a star. Do you see that? They weren't following a star. Look what the Bible says here. The Bible says in verse 2, For we have seen his star. That's past tense. We have seen his star and are come to worship him. And where did they come to worship him? In Jerusalem. Why would they do that? Because a king was going to be born. They saw the sign of the star and they said, We're going looking for him. And we're better to go looking for a king than the capital city. You with me? Yeah? If somebody was traveling to the United States to see the president, they wouldn't just wander all around the states and go to the capital, wouldn't they? I'd say, he might not be there right this second, but he'll be back. He'll be, he's the king, right? He's the president, I mean. And uh, they went looking at Jerusalem. When they got there, look at verse 3 here. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Why were they troubled? Because they weren't expecting it. They weren't in the Word of God. They weren't watching for the Christ. The Herod was a, was a crazy guy. If you ever do any studies about Herod, he was nuts. Man, that guy. I'm telling you what, he killed off people that threatened his throne. He killed some of his wife's family. He killed some of his own sons. Caesar Augustus said this about Herod. He said, I'd rather be Herod's swine than one of his sons. Because Herod was a, a crazy man. And so Herod was troubled at this. Wait a minute, a king is born that's going to threaten my rule? And we understand he really wasn't in charge, Caesar was, but he had, was given jurisdiction there for the Jews there. And uh, it says, verse 4, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the, of the people together, and he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, verse 5, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. What prophet was that, Brother Shank? Micah, that's right. In the prophet Micah, chapter 5, it says that the Christ would be born in Bethlehem. See, the wise men coming from the east, they would have the, the, the words of Daniel who was over in the east when he wrote those things. He, they would have had that. They might not have had the book of Micah. So they didn't know to go to Bethlehem. Right? So they came to Jerusalem, found out it was in Bethlehem. Verse 6, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah... Art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. All right, another question. Why was he asking about what time the star appeared? Why was he asking about that? And it says he, he asked them privily. means quietly. Because he wanted to know how old the baby was. He wanted to know when the baby was born. When did you see the star about how, how, what, what, how, what, what age am I looking for? Right? The Bible doesn't say that they, they went to the stable. I know it's cute and all that. and We have our little manger scene and we see, we see uh, the, the wise men at the stable. But the Bible doesn't say they went there. It says they saw his star and they traveled from the east. And you'll notice later in the chapter that they went into the house and worshiped the young child. They didn't worship the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. They worshiped the young child. We don't really know how long it took them to get there. Uh, but we do know that Herod says, what time did you see the star appear? See, Herod was sneaky. And he was wanting to go get him. Wanting to go destroy him. He wanted to know who he was looking for. How old of a child he should be looking for. And look, in the Bible says, uh, verse 8, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child 
And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Now, I want to go back and focus on the star here for a moment. They saw his star in the east and they journeyed to Jerusalem looking for the king. They didn't follow the star from the east to Jerusalem. They did not. They came to Jerusalem because they had seen his star. Now look what happens when they find out it's Bethlehem is where they're supposed to go. They head towards that way and look what happens here. Verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. God worked a miracle there or whatever he did. Maybe it was, the, again, in the, in, if it was the great conjunction of, of, of Jupiter and Saturn, we, the, the rotation, or excuse me, the orbit of the earth, they, you would see that a couple years in a row. Again, Johannes uh, Kepler saw it in 1603 and 1604 again, but it was most brilliant in 1604. And so if that was the case, it's possible they saw it the year before, they started journeying, and then when they were headed to Bethlehem, it showed back up. I don't know. But God could have also taken a real bright light and put it right in the clouds, right over top where the house was, where they were going. I know that God could do that too. God doesn't tell us clearly exactly what he did with that Bethlehem star, with that Christmas star. But what we know is that the wise men came from the east not following a star, but going to the capital. Then when they find out exactly where he's going to be born, they turn, head towards Bethlehem, and their faith was realized when the star showed back up. God said, oh, you've been, you've been faithful. You've come all this way. You found out all this. You, you've, you, didn't, you've, you didn't follow a star this whole way, but you believed that what I said was going to be true. And you came to Jerusalem. And when you went back to the scriptures. And you found out where the babe would be born. And you headed that way. Then God revealed the next step. You with me now? They didn't know exactly where they were going. But they had faith. And they believed that God's promise was real. And when they were headed that direction. That's when God showed up. And showed them the next step. That's when the, lar- the, the star appeared. It says, Lo, and the star which they saw in the east appeared. Verse 9. Verse 10. When, look at this. When they saw the star. They're headed towards Bethlehem at this point. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They were excited. They said, Woo! Man, all this time. See, this journey would have been a big deal. These guys were coming from the east. Now, in Ezra's day, when they came from Babylon and came back to rebuild the, um, rebuild the temple, Zerubbabel led that, and Ezra came later. It took them a long time to get from Babylon to back to Jerusalem. Nehemiah did it very quickly, approximately within about three months' time, to travel from Persia, Babylon area, uh, back over to Jerusalem. These wise men, maybe they had to seek approval. Maybe because you understand they were, I mean, these guys weren't kings. They, they were, they were wise men. They were, they were probably like Daniel, some of the presidents and princes of the region at the time. We don't know all that, but they probably had to get approval. They had to get funds. They had to get, uh, they set some time aside. This was going to be a long journey. If they did it very quickly, like Nehemiah, it would take three months one way. But if they, traveled like wise men and probably had all their stuff and all the camels and all the caravan 
You know, like Brother Martini, when he goes somewhere and he loads it all up, right? And he's got it all on top of the car and he's strapped down. Mrs. Martini knows. She's got one little bag and he's got three suitcases, right? And I'm just teasing. I'm having fun. But it took him, probably took him some time. They had to set aside maybe a year's time, maybe even longer than that, to journey, right? This was no little trip. We have seen his star in the east. Now, as I, as I think about these wise men, I want you to consider their faith for a minute. They had been in the Word of God knowing that Christ was going to be born. They had been studying, at least we have to assume, Daniel's teachings of his timeline to know approximately when he would be born. And then they saw the star and said, that's it, God showed us a sign. Now, when they got going to Jerusalem, they went back to the Bible. They learned that it was in Bethlehem. And then when they headed that way, then God showed up with a star again and showed them the way. I want you to consider their faith. First of all, they were in God's Word, studying, knowing when He was going to be there. Secondly, I want you to see that uh, they acted upon His Word. They acted upon His Word. They didn't just believe you understand? You know what we do? We say, we look at the Word of God and we sit down and say, eh, that sounds great. Man, that's awesome. I'll see what happens. What God's looking for is us to get up out of our chair and do something with what He's te- teaching us about in the Word of God. He's talking about they, they didn't just read in God's Word, but they acted upon His Word. They had enough faith to take a trip of a lifetime. You realize in just a, just a couple weeks, we're going to Belize. We're going to take a missions trip to Belize. We're going to go down to Central America and we're going to pass out Bibles that our church had a part of putting together. And we're going to witness to people. And praise God, they speak English. So I'm going to communicate at least a little bit if they understand hillbilly. All right. So, and I get to witness in another country. It's going to be great. I'll never forget that trip. If any of you have ever been to Israel, you'll never forget it. It's a trip of a lifetime. It's a big deal. You got to plan it and prepare for it and go do it. It's awesome. This was a trip of a lifetime. They did this thing. It wasn't like going to Kmart or Walmart. Kmart's not even around anymore, is it? Let's date myself, sorry. All right. Walmart or whatever. I should have said Montgomery Wards. Amen. Uh, uh, amen. Anybody shop at Montgomery Wards when you're younger? All right, good. All right. And five and dime? Anyways, moving on. Okay. Uh, and so they want to go down to, it's not like going to Walmart. They were going to the other side of the known world at the time. But listen here. They were in God's Word and acted, acted in faith. They, they were in God's Word. They believed His Word. They believed His prophecy. And then they acted on His Word. When they got to Jerusalem, nobody knew that Jesus had been born. Herod was troubled. He's like, whoa, wait, wait a minute. What? The scribes and the, and the, and the, and the chief priests were not waiting and looking for Him to be born. Everybody was troubled. Do you imagine when they got to Jerusalem, they were like, well, this is kind of discouraging. We just put our life on hold going looking for the king and nobody here is even looking for him. They don't even know he's about to be born. And Herod calls all of them together and says, hey, let's search the scripture. Let's find this thing out. Is this real or not? Instead of getting discouraged, instead of turning back home, because whenever we act in faith, whenever we go towards God on something he's told us in his word, be sure that the devil is going to bring discouragement and doubt along the way. Be sure of that. 
Okay, whether, whether it's a young person saying, I believe God wants me to go off to Bible college for a year and, and, and study the Word of God and, and see what He wants of my life, you can be sure the devil's going to bring discouragement. He's going to do it. He's going to bring a little bit of money trouble or a little bit of this trouble or a little car trouble. And mom and dad, you, you, uh, maybe you, you give up a job of making bukus of money in your mind to serve and do what God wants you to do in your life. You be sure the devil's going to bring discouragement. It's going to bring doubt along the way. He's going to bring bumps in the road because he's trying to get you off track. And the wise men get to Jerusalem and they're going, no, but we just come all this way. We just took all this time and all this money and all this effort and nobody's even looking for him. But what do they do? They went back to the Word of God. They looked at the book of Micah. They found out, well, at least they let the chief priest do it, amen. They waited for the Word of God to tell them where to go and then they took the next step. And they acted in faith. They didn't have the star when they were headed to to Bethlehem. It was when they were headed there that it showed up. And God showed them the next step. We're about out of time. I was going to take you to Hebrews chapter 11. But I don't want to take you there. I want you to think about it for a moment. If you read a Hebrews chapter 11, you see the faith of some great people. It's, it's called the Hall of Faith, really. The, the, really the, um, the passage is really like the Hall of Faith, really. As we read down there, it talks about uh, Abel, and it talks about uh, Noah, and it talks about uh, Abraham and Sarah, and, and, and then on from there, Moses and all these others. How they acted in faith, and they had great faith. And you, and you know what? The, the first verse tells us what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And... I can get a little confused with that, so I was trying to, I asked the Lord, help me to understand that. He gave me the hillbilly definition of it. I wrote it down. What that means is, is faith, I know it's real, and I'm waiting to see it. I know it's real, and I'm waiting to see it. That's what faith is. I know it's real, and I'm waiting to see it. God told me that I'm saved because I trusted in Him as my Savior. He died on the cross, paid for it, and then I received the gift, right? I'm saved. He's promised me that He's coming back to get me. That if I die before He comes back, that I'll be, uh, um, uh, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment, right? But, it, but to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. He's promised me that either I'll die and be with Him or He's coming back to get me. My faith says, I believe it's real and I'm waiting to see it. The wise men said, I know he's coming. He showed me his star and I'm going to see it. That's what faith is. The Bible also says in verse 6 of that chapter, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know that verse. If you don't, I challenge you to read it later. It's, it's Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith... It's impossible to please God. So my question to you this morning is, how are you living in faith? Now, I had faith when I, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ when I got saved and I received him as my Savior. Because I asked, I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I know that if I died, I would go to hell and I don't want to go to hell. And you paid the price so I didn't have to go to hell. And Lord, you rose the, from the dead the, next, the three days later so I could be saved, right? You with me now? And I had faith and I said, Lord, would you save me? But that's faith of salvation. The Bible says without faith is impossible to please God. I got saved 30 some years ago. 
How many years have it been now, babe? 33, is it? 33 years ago I got saved? Praise God for it. Don't you think I should have some faith between 33 years ago and today? If your pastor is not acting in faith, wouldn't there be some problems? Yeah. So my challenge to you today is, on Christmas morning, how are you living in faith? Practically, how are you living in faith? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. I wonder if we got up this morning and we said, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to this word right here. I trust that you gave me your word and that this is real and that I ought to live it. So whatever I read in there, I'm going to be obedient to it. That means I'm going to come to church on Christmas morning because you said don't forsake the assembling ourselves together. Right here. Amen? Amen. I'm going to act in faith. That's, that's acting in faith, is it not? How, how, do we, how do we know faith? The faith cometh by hearing and by hearing by the word of God. Amen? The wise men were in the Bible and saw the timeline of Daniel and said, there it is, I'm going to see the king. I'm going to find him. And they acted in faith upon the word of God. I wonder this morning, maybe we got up, we got dressed, we looked in the mirror and said, Lord, does this glorify you? How I look this morning, does that glorify you? Wouldn't that be acting in faith? Saying, God, what I'm supposed to do is please you. So what I'm wearing this morning, does that, does that please you? That's acting in faith, yes. Lord, where, I, where, where uh, you think about when back in February, praise God for it. February the 6th, 2022, I'll never forget it. This is the day you voted me in for pastor. Praise God for that. My wife and I moved and came here in faith that this is what God wanted us to do. Not just because, not just because you gave the call, but it's because this is what God wanted for us. And we changed our lives because we said, this is what God wants for us. We're going to sell our home. We're going to leave all that behind. We're going to come here and we're going to start fresh. See what God's going to do. Now, you would expect that out of your pastor, wouldn't you? But as I look to the New Testament, I'm no better than you are and you're no better than I am. We're all men of God. According to the New Testament, women of God. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you expect your preacher to live in faith, where are you living in faith? Practically, every day, are you living in faith? Lord, this job that I'm about to take, may it please you. And if it doesn't, shut the door. Lord, this house that I'm about to buy, let it be the one. Brother Rocky, are you in here? Brother Rocky's over here. You know, when we were looking at houses, how many houses have we put offers on? Like 25, <laughs> right? Back in the craziness of the springtime, Right? And every time it's like, Lord, if this is not the house you have for us, please let somebody else buy it. That's faith. Are we practically living in faith? Now let's bow together, please. Time's getting away from us. And uh, Luke chapter 8, as we bow together, Luke chapter 8, Jesus told the disciples, we're going to the other side of the lake. And they go to, they get going on their way to the, on the other side of the lake. And, and a big storm comes. He's asleep in the boat. And, everybody, and they're all fearful thinking they're going to die. You know what he does when he wakes up? He says, when they, they wake him up and say, Master, we're going to die. He says, where is your faith? He said, I already told you we're going the other side. And you forgot. Where is your faith? Lord, help us now, please. 
as we consider this thought. May you be glorified as we come to invitation time. Lord, may, may we not rush this. I know the clock's getting away from us just a moment, Lord. I pray, God, that you'd help us to give time for you an invitation. Lord, may we respond accordingly. Maybe somebody in here needs to get saved. Somebody doesn't know for sure they're a child of God. They've never been born again. They've never had that moment when they said, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need to trust in you as my Savior. Because with, by myself, I'll die and go to hell. But with that gift of salvation from the Lord Jesus, I'll live for eternity in, in heaven with him. God, I pray somebody in here needs to get saved this morning. Lord, some of us that are saved, we're not living by faith. We just go through emotions in our flesh and we don't live by faith. I pray you challenge us this morning to respond according to the Holy Spirit of God and help us now, please. Church family, I'm going to ask you.